tell your friends the Mark and Max show is back and better than ever. Oh yeah! LifeRadio.fm. It is Yield Mark and Max show, and <laughs> hey man, a whopper of bad news. Yeah, a whopper. Yes. Are we talking Burger King whopper? Yes, yeah, actually we are. <laughs> are they going to add meat back to their food? <laughs> How would you know? <laughs> Burger King announced that nearly 400 locations of the popular fast food chain will be closed by the oh, end of the year. Joshua, really? Yeah, Joshua Cobza of Restaurant Brands International Incorporated, they own Burger King, confirmed the news to Today.com earlier in the week saying the plan is to close between 300 to 400 stores across the nation. He said the company's focus will now be on working with smaller franchises and high-quality operators to build or develop existing restaurants that will operate regionally under local owners. Officials haven't said which stores will be shut down or when that will happen, but the company's have-it-your-way slogan is expected to remain strong in stores that will stay open. Uh, RBI stated that 124 Burger King locations have already shut down since January 21st, or January 1st, that is, leaving less than 7,000 surviving restaurants. (laughs) You know, that's kind of funny, leaving less than 7,000. Yeah. If we were to start Market Mac Burger and we were we were announcing, we expect to open our 7,000th store this year, people would be like, oh, yay for them. Yes, you know? yes. Just perspective <laughs> is everything. Yeah. But this is what happens when you decide that it's more important to serve the left than it is to serve real good mm. food. Yeah. Well, there you go. And I'll tell you, the last few times I've been at Burger King, I really regretted it. Yeah, me too. I imagine just, just I'm just spitballing here. Yeah, sure. I got a feeling that these 400 locations are in places where they, they don't do a lot of business and they probably get robbed on a weekly basis. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) I think you're accurate. These are neighborhoods that have transitioned in a negative way. Mm Mm-hmm. Live (laughs) radio. Go ahead. I, was, we're I don't know, man. No, we're not. Not a portion of life. All right, so bubble blower attempts five world records in Cleveland. Hmm. It makes okay. me wonder, Mark. Bubble blower uh-huh. attempts five world records in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Is this person attempting to use bubble gum to blow bubbles? Are we? What are we doing here in Cleveland? I mean, it's, I've always heard, you know, the worst. Uh, what was it? The I'd rather be. What was it? WC Field said I'd rather be in Philadelphia. Right. It wasn't yeah. said I'd. Re- I hate Cleveland. I uh, can't remember. I oh, know. everybody that's been there. Right. That's what it is. Except, I'm sorry. Except for Drew Carey, who says Cleveland rocks. You know. So well, you know. Oh, but now when it, it, having done morning radio for so long, back in the day when you had AM <laughs> FM radio. You would try to find a radio station you could listen to on the way into work that wasn't really boring. So you look for those overnight talk shows like Art Bell and crazy stuff like yes, that. Yes. And I could pick up WTAM in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, the AM station out of there. I could pick it up on my way to work uh, between, you know, Atlanta and Birmingham on that stretch of I-20. You could pick up WTAM. And so for a number of years, I knew where you could find the lowest tire prices in the greater Cleveland area. <laughs> I knew all about Lake Effect snow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I did. It was crazy. I knew that stuff, man. man. It's very weird to listen to that on the way into work. 
where we live. Yep. You know, you're listening oh, yeah. to a local station somewhere else in the country. It just yeah. kind of warps your brain for a little while. <laughs> it does. And you think, wow, I thought they'd be better than that. You know, but they're yeah. not. Well, anyway. we're talking about soap bubbles here. Oh. A, a master of soap bubbles with 11 Guinness World Records to his name attempted to add five more titles during a public demonstration in Ohio. Gary Perlman, also known as Dr. You Are Awesome, Okay. Teamed up with fellow bubble master Blaze Rines, whose skills earned him an appearance on America's Got Talent Sunday at Tower City Center in Cleveland. Perlman Mm -hmm. attempted to break the records for tallest freestanding soap bubble, tallest supported soap bubble tube, tallest free floating soap bubble, largest soap bubble tornado, and largest soap bubble volcano. The attempts were witnessed by Thomas Altman, a physicist who conducted the official measurements for Perlman's record attempts. The measurements certified by Altman have now been submitted to Guinness World Records to determine whether the records were broken. You know, Mark, um, I was thinking about all the ways to mock this, okay? Until I realized I was actually interested in looking at it and watch (laughs) and see. So, (laughs) who's the goofy guy now? Yeah, I got to see the tornado. I just got to. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're both engaged in this now. Yes, we are. We're dorks. We are dorks. (laughs) What's news about that? (laughs) LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show, cruising along, singing a song, side by side. We do not live together like Bert and Ernie. (laughs) Got to add that. Yeah, right. (laughs) Stay Bert. All right, so Mark... (laughs) An escape bull runs onto a rugby field during warm-ups in France. <laughs> well, I I'm can't. I'm thinking I, about this all the way around, man. Uh, yeah. I'm and thinking, I'm thinking this is not soccer. Keep in mind, this no, is rugby. Rugby, right. Uh-huh. And I didn't know. Have you ever actually watched a rugby match? I don't I, think it's called a rugby game. I think it's called a rugby match. Yeah. Um, uh, or is it a, the scrum? Is that what they call it? I Anyway. That's when they're. Yeah, but I don't know. That's when they're actually, you know, I think had to, I don't know. I've never played. I right, always wanted yeah. to. We look rugby looks too much like kill the guy with the ball uh-huh. to me. You know, yeah. that's what we played in school. I think that's exactly what it is. It's an Australian term for kill that guy. I think <laughs> okay. that's what it is. I'm digging it. Though. Uh-huh. Well, a rugby game in France descended into chaos. How could they tell when a bull escaped from a pre-match parade and ran out onto the field during warmups, the bull, one of three male <clears throat> bovines <laughs> and three cows being paraded to the crowd um, before the game between the, the Calentines dragons and St. Helens at the Gilbert Brutus stadium in Perpignan. Thank you very much. I mispronounced all of that. Just so you know, was caught on camera dragging its handler across the grass until the guy let go. It's like that guy with the big dog that sees the car. Hey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> players were seen fleeing from the bull and jumping over advertising signs to avoid being charged by the rampaging animal. The bull was eventually wrangled by his handlers and led away from the field with his fellow bovines. They did oh it my. twice. That's two times. Wow. Bernard Gosh, the uh, owner of the Callatons Dragons, also owns a meat business called Gosh. V- he owns a meat business. Let's just yeah. leave it at that. They went on to win, by wow. the way, uh, to 24 to 12. 
oddly enough, they had some very fresh bull to eat at that celebration, you know? That's what he gets for trying out for the team, you know? I'm just thinking, dude, you're going to tell me rugby players couldn't get together and take on a bull. Come on. That's a load of bull. Oh. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And uh, Mark dog walking danger. I'm seeing a theme here, okay? Mm-hmm. Dog walking dangers is yeah. the topic of this. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, all right, we already had a rugby team running away from the bulls. I would have <laughs> thought a rugby team could take on a bull. We've already had soap bubbles being blown where at first we were mocking, but then it sounded too interesting to avoid. Right. And we started with Burger King set to close a bunch of stores because people got so tired not knowing, am I eating meat or not? It doesn't mm. taste like real meat anymore, you know? <laughs> I think right. they're feeding us grass that's, you know, it just something what? not right. Why is there a bullet in my burger? Huh? Why? Yes, you know, I'm beginning to wonder, you know. All right. So when the dead presidents are on your bun, what do you do? Run. So thank you. Now we have dog walking dangers. It's yeah. something I would have thought a child could do. Make an extra buck. Walk old man right. Carter's dog down the street. But yeah. no. Mm, yeah. Oh, more than 65 million American households have a dog. We, we both have dogs. You have a bunch yes. of dogs, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, how many is a bunch? <laughs> more than two? And yeah, more than two, I think, is a bunch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that makes them easily the most popular pet in the nation. But a recent 20-year-old study, or 20-year study, you pick your version, by John Copson, uh, Hopkins. Wow, it's going to be one of those days. By John Hopkins University reveals that 422,659 people have visited the emergency room for dog walking related injuries. Mm-hmm. Medical experts say what oftentimes incurs can occur if your dog suddenly yanks a leash as you hold it. Two of the most common injuries are finger fractures and shoulder sprains. The study reports that women are 50% more likely than men to sustain a fracture. The study also says brain injuries are possible. Orthopedic surgeon Dr. Jonathan Stever says certainly if a dog owner falls and strikes their head on the pavement or some other hard object, that can result in a bleed or a stroke. Dog owners were also warned about the dangers of running into the street after their dogs. (laughs) As very serious injuries or worse can occur if hit by a car. Duh. Mm-hmm. Duh. Um, Paula, a 65-year-old retiree, was about to walk her laboratory retriever when her pup was distracted by another dog and took off. She says the leash must have wrapped around her finger because suddenly she found that her finger had been cut off. She said it happened so fast, and unfortunately her finger could not be reattached. Experts wow. say you should use a leash that is at least that is six to eight feet long to avoid tripping and to steer clear of retractable leashes. Also, avoid places that can distract a dog, like a schoolyard, and, a, and carry a toy or a treat to get your dog's attention if they're distracted. Wow. Yeah. She lost a finger and didn't know it. Well, yeah. You know, when somebody tried to give her the finger, she thought they were really being mean. Like, <laughs> no, it's your finger. Here. <laughs> oh, no. LifeRadio.fm, Mark and Mac show, and, uh, hmm, you know, Mark, every once in a while, a story will pop up. It'll come along, and you think, the last time I saw somebody do this was on a TV special with David Copperfield showing you that he could, or, or Doug Henning flying inside yeah. a bubble. Oh, but yeah, now, yeah. it's be- flight for humans has become so easy. Now, we have stories about a woman who thinks she's flying to Jacksonville, mm-hmm. but ends up in Jamaica. Right. You would have thought her arms would have gotten tired or that, <laughs> you know, the wind would have been too much. You, you know, you would have right. thought yeah. 
but no. No, no. <laughs> Beverly Ellis Hebbard flies to Florida's Jacksonville Airport all the time. She considers herself a veteran traveler. But this woman from New Jersey had a very big surprise recently. She says, I fly once every six weeks. I picked Frontier flights because we flew so often. Uh, she says she had arrived at Philadelphia's airport and checked in for her flight to Jacksonville. Then she went to the restroom. When she came back, the flight was nearly boarded and uh, an agent hurried her aboard. Along the way, she injured her arm after placing her carry-on in the baggage sizer to make sure it was the correct dimensions. Uh, in case you haven't flown, that's a they've got like a metal a metal cage. You have to put your carry-on in it, and if it doesn't fit, you have to check the bag. Wow! Right? Because they because there's only so much room yeah. in the overheads. Yeah. Right? After and I actually watched somebody stuff one in there, and I said, "There's no way. There's <laughs> no way." There. Oh, they did it. <laughs> yep. After takeoff, uh, she said, as a flight attendant helped her clean her bloody arm. The Frontier employee told her she'd have plenty of time to heal and rest up once they landed in Jamaica. She <laughs> says, I laughed. I would. I said, I'd love to be going there, but I have a beach where I live. And she said, look at me. This plane is going to Jamaica. And I knew by wow. the look on her face, she wasn't joking. A last-minute gate change had resulted in, resulted in her boarding the wrong flight. Now, she had two problems. Not only was she going the wrong destination, she had no passport. Jamaican oh, authorities allowed her to remain in the airport until she could board a flight back to Philadelphia. And as a gesture of apology, Frontier Airlines issued her a $600 flight voucher, voucher valid for a year. Wow. Just wow. Yes. I, man. <laughs> there's so much wrong with that there you know? is <laughs> wow they don't they check your boarding pass before you get on the plane they i know that every time i've ever flown they s actually scan your boarding pass right right and yeah. if it's not correct it they won't let you on the plane right why would they this yes. is not your plane i mean exactly these are not the droids you're looking for Come right on, yeah, move along <laughs> hence the 600 dollars flight voucher <laughs> there you go life radio.fm the mark and mac show you know mark one of the things that i've learned about criminals over time is that no matter how long they may get away with something. Eventually, they are their own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. yeah, you've heard the line that well, amongst criminals, uh, three criminals can only keep a secret if two of them are dead. <laughs> you know, it's just that yeah. way. But even then, yeah. if there's one, he'll have to brag. It mm -hmm. just happens. I I went to school with a guy. Actually, went to school with a murderer. Okay. Ooh. Now we were friends for a while but then you know how in high school you drift apart right yeah, yeah. because some kids go down a certain pathway and you go down a different one mm -hmm. he went down that pathway and we were no longer friends we didn't hang out uh the people he hung out with were just not my kind of future criminals to hang out with but <laughs> he ends up you know going to the beach and he ends up killing a woman at mm. the beach um and they get away with it uh. He and he and a friend. Okay, I guess yeah, so. Yeah. I don't know if you can have friends when you're messed up like that, but they did. And mm. anyway, they killed this girl. It's an unsolved murder for a couple of years. Unsolved murder. Wow. Until they're at a party one night and his they his partner starts talking about it. Uh -oh. And somebody at the party overhears it, thinks it's a bogus story, but 
you know what? There's too many details. Maybe mm. I ought to let, and he does. He picks up the phone the next day and says, hey, I was at a party last night. This guy was bragging about blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And sure enough, they've got an unsolved murder at Atlantic Beach, North Carolina. And, wow. and anyway, so they were both arrested and tried, convicted, and sent to prison for, you know, I was going to say life, but they both got out. So wow, I, I know Terry got a life sentence, but he mm. got out after twenty something years. Yeah, yeah. The first thing he he was out of jail for nine months before they ended up putting him back in. Wow. Yeah, he had he had been in jail so long he was institutionalized. Yeah, he did not how to function outside of the prison walls. Yeah, wow. nine months was all he lasted. Goodness Granted, gracious. he didn't kill somebody else, but still. And he and ended the up in there I just see. because somebody had to impress somebody. Yes, yeah. somebody had to brag about yeah. something they did. That's the most heinous thing you can do to take wow. another person's life. Yeah. And you want to brag about that? Goodness All right. gracious. Chucky e. Manson's grandson. No. Yeah, anyway. Right. So. Yeah. Well, Here this, we've got this, another one. This story pales in comparison to that one. But <laughs> a driver. It's the same thing, though. Yeah, it is the same thing. A driver is suspected of taking to the roads for half a century without a driver's license has been stopped after he boasted about his status the law caught up with him in a shopping center where his vehicle was seized and the culprit reported for a number of offenses derbyshire roads this is in the uk derbyshire roads policing tweeted on saturday quote the driver of this vehicle has never passed a test despite (laughs) being 69 years old and having been driving for over 50 years he has systematically provided details to insurance companies Indicating that he had a license, but the law in his uh, the flaw in his dastardly plan was bragging. His long reign came to an abrupt end once we found out. Vehicle mm-hmm. seized and driver reported for numerous offenses. Wow! I can only hope that that guy at sixty nine years old had a fairly new vehicle, because <laughs> you know, they took it. You just uh, if you're going to get away with something for half a century. And you have to brag about it, really? Uh, wow, yeah. That's something you do on your deathbed. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. hey, add this to my obituary. You know, that's <laughs> that's like, <laughs> what are they going to do now? Right. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac Show. And, Mark, you better have your finger on the trigger. I want to hear our Guinness Record Man's jingle. Oh, this you one? have it? Please. Thank you very much. <laughs> That music tells you one thing and one thing only. Yeah. Guinness Records Man. Guinness Records Man. Hey, those stunts for education have brought you worldwide fame. I don't know, dog. That's a little pitchy. It's going to be a no for me. An Idaho man donned a boxing glove and used it to catch 84 tennis balls in one minute, breaking a Guinness World Record. David Rush, who has broken more than 250 Guinness World Records to promote uh, promote STEM education, said he initially thought the 74-catch record would be easy to beat, but then he realized the record was for catching with a single glove, not two. He says, tennis balls don't want to be caught on inboxing gloves. Every time they hit, they just bounce <laughs> out. There's only a wow. very small window where a ball can land and be caught. Rush said right. he spent time training with the glove and even thought himself uh, taught himself to juggle two tennis balls in one boxing glove. He ended wow. up breaking the record with 81 catches. Wow. Okay. You know, he is impressive, and we know yeah. why he does all this, yes. which is awesome. But, you know, he's still, 
he is breaking records, but you know, he's doing the ones that actually require skill. You know, mm -hmm. you actually have to train. You have to learn. Have right. you ever tried to do anything with boxing gloves other than hit something? No, <laughs> you can't. You can't. <laughs> you <just> no. <laughs> so again, you got somebody who said, Hey, I can do this. Mm -hmm. I bet nobody else can. Let's see. Well, you're, if you're drinking at a bar, you know, I catch. 80 tennis balls <laughs> with a you know, boxing glove. Sure you can. Well, let's see. Come on, Fred. <laughs> that's right, yeah. That's how, the, that's how the Guinness Book of Records started anyway. You may as well. Two drunks in a bar. Yeah, you, you're right. You may as well pour concrete and seal both of yeah. your hands in concrete and then try to do anything. Yep. I mean, it's there just, you go. that's about the size of it. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, uh, you know, Mark, whenever there's a story about Mr. No Shoulders, yes. as you told me one time, snakes. <laughs> yes. I think about Indiana Jones and after uh -huh. he goes to this incredibly heroic and brave mm -hmm. thing and he gets in a plane, show a little backbone, you know? <laughs> I think, <laughs> context is everything. So it is. <laughs> when you hear a story on the outside and you say, mm -hmm. this home buyer found snakes in a wall. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Well, you got the snakes out of the wall, right? Yeah. <laughs> what comes next? Can you deal with what comes next is the mm. big question. Yeah. And yeah. And what is coming next? That's the thing. Yes. Yeah. Well, a woman in Centennial, Colorado, wasn't sure what to do when she moved into a home in April, only to realize it was infested with snakes. I hate snakes, Chuck. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> While unpacking, one of her dogs approached a corner slowly, which alerted her to the issue, she says. She initially thought it was an insect, but, quote, I came over, and I, as I came over, I saw the snake slither up the wall. I started watching, and there were more and more and more snakes. Yeah, you could feel it was warm and squishy in there, she says, uh, while touching one of the walls, my kids and I are afraid to sleep in our beds, afraid to use the restroom because the snakes might come out of the toilet. Miss <laughs> Hall is a single mom who's worked for years to buy a home for her family. However, she learned the creatures were nesting inside and underneath the residence. She has since spent more than $1,000 for professional help to remedy the problem. They also <laughs> have set traps and employed a snake wrangler. Meanwhile, <laughs> the I know snake wrangler is just a funny thing to think about. Love it. Meanwhile, the real estate agent involved with the sale has reportedly not been cooperating with the homeowner's uh, home buyer's complaints regarding the situation. Ms. Hall simply wants somebody to take responsibility for removing the creatures. She adds, to be honest with you, I don't know if I can even live here peacefully. I'm petrified. Okay, I get it. Yes. But I do. I understand everything about this on each side, but... The real estate agent's job is to sell the house. It's your job. You know, caveat emptor. Didn't you watch the Brady Bunch episode, Buyer Beware? Come on. <laughs> if you're going to buy, you, you when you buy a house, you have it inspected. You uh, actually yes. pay somebody. Yes, you should. And they come in, and they are supposed to gut out all the things. Now, granted, if the snakes are sleeping and, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know too many inspectors that would catch that one, but it's not this. It's not the real estate person's problem. It's right. no. yours. Yeah. You own the home. Now, my, my thought is, Go ahead and put it up for sale. Find something else, and there you go. Yeah, yeah, you should. And, and but but go ahead and but raise the price, okay? <laughs> and say some pets included. You might not find them right away. <laughs> Located in a in a prime wildlife area. Yes, there you go. <laughs> and when you're having your home inspected, don't get your uncle Bob to do it. 
I mean, seriously, unless he is a professional home inspector, hire somebody who knows what they're doing because somebody who knows what they're doing probably would have walked through her house and said, something's not right here. Let's look at this, you know? LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, Mark, when I saw this story that you sent, I thought, would you ever call an expert to get luggage out of your garage? <laughs> Depends on how heavy it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're right. Okay. You got a point. Because that's all this is. We're really dealing with luggage removal, right? Yes. This is actually early stages of early okay. days luggage, you should say. I got you. It's, it's <laughs> luggage in stage one. Sure. <laughs> Animal go. service officers in uh, South Carolina responded to a home where a resident was shocked to find an alligator in his garage. I think I'd be shocked if we didn't have an alligator story once a day. Um, City of Charleston Animal Protective Services officers responded to Chris Drummond's Charleston home Friday in the morning when he, he opened his garage door and discovered an alligator had apparently spent the night inside. Drummond posted to video Facebook, uh, Facebook video <clears throat> showing the officers using catch poles to wrangle the struggling reptile. Thanks for pointing out that it's a reptile. We wouldn't have known. Um, The South Carolina Department of Natural Resources said the alligator would be moved to a pond outside the neighborhood. (laughs) Okay. I I don't know. If I get up in the morning and there's an alligator in my garage, I'm just going to say, hey, it's cool. I'll park in the driveway. I'm I'm all right. You know, (laughs) I would be shocked. I I would freak out, I think. I I mean, yeah. I, it's one thing to see them on video and mm-hmm. in pictures, but up close and personal, I don't think I want to play, you know? No. And you don't want to play with a, yeah, with I could be Mr. Yeah. Smarty pants making smart comments and right, all that. Yeah. But you know, yeah. that's where you have class clown and dunce cap at the same time. Uh, I ain't messing with it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the alligators, they are wild animals and right. everything that is not an alligator, as far as they're concerned is lunch. So <laughs> I mean, that's it you walk in and say hey what are you doing here and he he says hey i'm glad you came and i'd be like hey Ladonna, where's that cat (laughs) life radio.fm the mark and mag show and you know mark you sent me the uh uh video um via text a little while ago it's from a facebook video of a person in san francisco Mm -hmm. just going crazy at a I don't know, yeah. a city meeting, but yeah. all I, was I, thinking re- is, I prefer to refer to that as being themselves. Yeah, <laughs> probably. It's like, but anyway, so for today, I guarantee you whenever a California story comes up, that's what I'm going to think of is that. <laughs> oh yeah. Screeching. That's the state where that screecher yeah. was. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so that person you know, who we should can't be in an institution it. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. We won't even share it because it's just not worth sharing. But oh, it's like la- people have language, lost their code. Yeah. The language oh, is yeah. really nasty in it. Oh yeah. At the end yeah. it's just, because you yeah. know what? That's how adults deal with things by screaming right. like a child and yeah. cussing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, nothing says, to lay that nothing out says the validity of your position, like behaving like a toddler in public. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> a toddler with a limited vocabulary of uh, four letter words. <laughs> right. You know. Exactly. Unbelievable. Well, wow. anyways, but in California, not all bad things happen. There no, are a no. number of good things, and in particular, I'm trying to figure out how this horse got in the position that he or she was in. <laughs> I know a beautiful horse named Poncho, safe today, thanks to LA firefighters and animal services experts who calmed the terrified horse and dug it out of a narrow gully on uh, Sil- uh, in Silmar near Olive View UCL- UCLA Medical Center uh, on Sunday. 
Experts from the Los Angeles Animal Services Specialized Mobile Animal Rescue Team, which all mm-hmm. which it's S M A R T smart. <laughs> Somebody in an office somewhere came up with Love that. It. It's, Love it. They joined the L.A. Fire Department's uh, urban search and rescue team to save Poncho. Poncho's rider was uninjured. The firefighters managed to get a rope around the horse's neck and dug the soil around him to carefully get Poncho onto his side. Um, (laughs) Let's see. They say we were honored to work alongside the city's animal services department as the two teams worked and quickly got Poncho out. The uh, L.A. Fire Department's air operations got a visual confirmation of the horse's location as firefighters made the hike in carrying hand tools. Urban Search and Rescue Task Force forces task forces from fire station 88 and 89 responded to conduct the technical rescue because a hoist rescue was impossible because poncho was upside down on his back a horse rescue specialist from the city's smart team worked with the firefighters to devise a plan using strategic strategically digging around him to free the thankful animal how do we know wow i just I, I, that's I, just wild I, all i can think is that the there was a gully and the horse lost yeah. his footing and slipped right. and fell and rolled over you know upside down wow. into it yeah that just you know when you see horses uh, in films and tv you know where mm-hmm. they're being ridden and they're majestic yeah. and yeah. You, you know you've got somebody who's riding it that knows what to do that's for right. starters yeah so you know then and they're in control but horses are strong yeah. big heavy animals yeah that I, I can't imagine being able to mess with them a whole lot, you know? Mm. But if I saw one like that, I would be like, I, I would probably be freaking out too, try, trying to figure out what do you do to help an animal like that? Yeah. Because wow. once they get loose, they're going to kick you. <laughs> going to blame you for this. <laughs> Stupid people. If you hadn't been out here riding me, I wouldn't be here. It's dumb and dumber. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. The Mark and Max show where, it, you know, we haven't played the uh, Wild Kingdom theme today, Mark. I think it might be time. There you go. Thank you, sir. You're making me feel better now. <laughs> what were those lyrics? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I had my finger on the button waiting. I knew it was coming. An yeah. African antelope is back at home at a Massachusetts zoo after a month. Over a month on the loose, Mary, the eland, a member of the world's largest species of antelope, was captured Saturday by Wally Lupa, Director of Facility (laughs) Development and Animal Care for the Lupa Zoo, according to the Hampton County Sheriff's Department uh, and their Facebook page. Uh, Last night, I had an eye on her. I was able to bring her in with a live camera, a 100-foot rope, and a trailer, Lupa told the Sheriff's Department. (laughs) She walked right into the trailer, and to say I was relieved would be an understatement. (laughs) Mary escaped from her enclosure at the Lupa Zoo on the 1st of April when a storm caused tree limbs to fall and damage her paddock. Lupa said Mary had been spotted several times during her weeks on the loose and appeared to be making friends with local deer herds. He says, it was like something out of a movie, but I'm glad it's over, and maybe tonight I can finally sleep well and in my own bed. (laughs) Well, there you go. There you go, Wally. Man, <laughs> African antelope. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're out for a month on the loose, I, 
you know, this is why we, we should low jack everything. You know, yeah. you've got the RFID tracking chip, put them in there and, you know, <laughs> case closed. If they're gone for a month though, you should just leave them gone. <laughs> I can see somebody showing up at a vet's office. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see if this antelope's got a chip. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Or I go to the butcher. Where's the best part on this? <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show. Your home for movie flashbacks. Right now, the hero dog in the Steve Martin film, The Jerk. Oh. A movie, if you actually pay attention, he screams all the way through it, no matter what. Yeah, he's he screaming, does. okay? He hates <laughs> <But>. these cans! <laughs> <laughs> you should not name that dog Hero. Anyway. Oh, this is kind of a sad dog story, and it's also a technology story. Yes, oh. I love technology. <laughs> Oh, a man's electric. The battery. You know, of, yes. They spent more money on the tag they made for Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> than the whole movie. Than the whole movie. Because it, MTV bought, you know, it became one of those things when it got picked up and yeah. they added to it. They wanted to get that wedding and get that song. I oh, guess. man. I love it. Well, the battery in a man's electric scooter exploded in the middle of the night while he slept, destroying his apartment, hence the tech angle. He said he owes his life to his loyal dog. In the early hours of the morning on April 17th, Kevin Record, he's 43, was asleep in his apartment on the Isle of Sheppey in Kent in England when his dog Shogun, what a great name for a dog, leaped onto the bed and woke him up. Mr. Record's e-scooter was emitting sparks. Within seconds, the scooter's lithium-ion battery exploded, and the bedroom was engulfed in flames. Kevin mm-hmm. managed to escape the room, but not without sustaining severe burns to the right-hand side of his body. In a news release shared on Facebook, Kent Fire and Rescue Service confirmed that the fire caused unimaginable damage and left Record with life-changing injuries. Tragically, Shogun lost his life. A recovering Kevin commented on the post, quote, my heart is broken for my hero dog. I'll never forget what you did for me. I can't explain the speed of the fire, he said in a statement. I had never seen anything like it. Within seconds, it was like a fireball that spread to everything in sight. It was like a grenade going off, just terrifying. I'm absolutely devastated by what's happened, especially losing Shogun. Four fire engines responded to the apartment fire. They put out the flames, but couldn't save any of Record's possessions. Fire investigators concluded that the battery pack in Record's e-scooter had overheated while charging, causing the scooter to catch fire. Wow. And I know kind of how this is because, you know, I've told you the story about replacing the battery in that old iPhone that I had. And while taking the old battery out... um, I got a little careless and I heard something go crack pop. And the next thing I know, I've got flames and smoke everywhere. (laughs) It's just like, "Ah, I'm going to burn the house down. But these lithium ion batteries, they're dangerous. You have to treat them with a great deal of respect and care. Otherwise, like this guy, you could burn your house down and you'd lose your dog. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, as we have lived our lives on planet Earth, we've heard about plenty of stories about 
unidentified flying objects, right. whether you call them, yep. whether you call them that or anything else. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that is likely to be the cause of a lot of disturbances when people look up in the sky, it's a meteorite, yeah. something small and that happens. I mean, you ought to know this. I will right, tell yeah. you though, it's not a meteorite. If it's flying, it's very bright and it's, it's coming through the sky and it stops <laughs> and goes a different direction. <laughs> That's not a meteorite. Just no, saying. No, just to make things clear. Yeah. But if it is a meteorite, it's a science story. The week started with a bang for a homeowner in New Jersey after a likely meteorite blasted a hole through a house early Monday afternoon. A metallic rock fell out of the sky and hit a house in Hopewell Township, New Jersey, about 10 miles north of Trenton. The Hopewell Township Police Department responded to the incident and confirmed that the oblong-shaped rock damaged the building. The police department said it penetrated the roof, the ceiling, and then impacted the hardwood floor before coming to arrest. Nobody was injured during the incident. Smaller space rocks typically burn up and disintegrate when entering the Earth's atmosphere, but larger rocks can make it to the surface of the planet. Space rocks that reach the surface of the Earth are called meteorites. Although oh, it's okay. extremely so, wait a minute. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's meteors. I, I didn't. Yeah, meteors are what you see in the sky. The ones that make it to the surface are meteorites. Yeah. You know, Mark, I have learned something new today. We can call a finish to it and go back to bed. There so we go. Can you Thank say you, you were? Uh, there we go. Uh, although wow. it's extremely rare for a meteorite to hit a house, there have been several notable incidents in the past. One of the most famous meteorite crashes in recent U.S. history took place on October 9th of 1992 when a 26-pound space rock hit a car parked in a driveway in Peekskill, New York, just north of New York City. The vehicle became world famous and was on display in several museums, including France's National Museum of National History, or Natural wow. History. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Unless you own the car, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Good point. LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac Show. It's good to have you with us today. We do appreciate it. Had some really uh, interesting stories today, but, you know, if you missed any part of the show, you can get the daily podcast. Mark makes sure it's up there every day. Mm -hmm. Really cool. And uh, that way you won't miss stuff about, like, did you know? Bop, bop, bop. No, you fill in the blank because we covered it earlier. <laughs> telling you we, we did. did. Yes. Prove we didn't. Well, go back and listen. <laughs> listen to the whole thing and tell us we didn't. So, <laughs> Alabama man mm -hmm. pulled over for dot, dot, dot. Uh, an Alabama man was pulled over for driving his jet ski on a highway in Daphne, Alabama, recently. How? The Daphne Police Department took to Facebook on May 5th to post an image of a man whose face they blurred out to showcase that he was riding a jet ski on a busy highway. They wrote on Facebook, Law enforcement is often a grim occupation. We so often deal with people who are having the worst day of their lives. Sometimes we think we've seen it all, uh, all there is to see, but all of a sudden... There are, are 911 calls about a guy driving a jet ski on Highway, Highway 98, making us glad we do what we do. Since this thing was tagged and street legal and he was from out of state, we sent him off with a warning and instructions to get a helmet. While oh. the man on the jet ski has not been identified, cops gave him a warning, but the reports then reports surfaced that the vehicle was more than a jet ski. The man was reportedly riding a boater cycle. 
which <laughs> uh, AL.com <laughs> reports is an old model jet ski converted into a streets vehicle. Wow. So the guy has put the jet ski body on a motorcycle. <laughs> wow. This is what happens when somebody can't find a Bradley GT kit to work on. <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and both of us during the music are pulling up pictures of the jet ski on the highway you know it's just but here's the part about mark and i that you got to know both of us when we start chasing a a rabbit like that yeah next thing you know we're watching videos of guys going underwater with their cars you know that's what we're watching and it just (laughs) happens every time that's why Uh it is not safe for us to start looking it's like and in case you're wondering, yes, somebody did go underwater, drive their car <laughs> underwater. A guy named Fred Williams had a little Jeep that he had converted to diesel, and he had this crazy idea about driving it under the underwater. And so he did some work to it, outfitted it so that the engine could breathe underwater with a long he had a long snorkel tube attached to it. He put mm-hmm. on scuba gear and drove across a pond on the bottom of the pond. Love it. It's Love a, it. It's so funny. Oh, boy. <laughs> Story of our life. All right. So yeah. now we've got customers are being asked to tip mm-hmm. even at self-checkout. Listen, no. <laughs> we've gone too far. This is ridiculous. I'm already ready to ask Walmart if they'll invite me to the Christmas party because I'm checking myself out. Yeah. You know? Doing everything. Yeah. Tip prompts are becoming more common at digital self-checkout kiosks, but customers are unsure whether where their money is going or whether the prompt is even necessary. Self-checkout machines at cafes, sports stadiums, and airports are asking for tips, and customers aren't happy about it. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported on the rise of digital self-checkout kiosks and how customers m- have responded to tip prompts. Many customers who were asked to tip workers with whom they had no interaction were frustrated with these prompts. The report spoke to half a dozen customers around the U.S. Some, uh, though some people were willing to tack on an ex- on the extra fees, the majority said tip cues were confusing, and many said they were unsure where that money was going. A traveler who was prompted to include a 10 to 20% tip on a $6 bottle of water at a gift shop in Newark Liberty International Airport in New Jersey said that the task was a bit of emotional blackmail. <laughs> the customer didn't tip. A spokesperson for the gift shop told the journal that all tip money collected is pooled and then paid out to the staff members working that particular shift. Mm-hmm. Restaurants do that too sometimes, you know. Sure. Yeah, tipping has been increasingly controversial, uh, an increasingly controversial point of debate in the country, with many Americans experiencing tipping fatigue as they get asked to tip at more places and face the effects of inflation. Landlords have taken to TikTok to make a case for gratuity to be added onto rent. While the first what? unionized Apple store in Maryland is fighting for the introduction of a tipping system. Yeah. Wow. That said, customers haven't stopped tipping. Total tips received by full service restaurants and quick service restaurants were up 16.5% and 15.86% respectively in the fourth quarter of last year when compared mm-hmm. to the same period a year before that. Um, wow. That, I, that's, I don't uh, that's see reflecting the need. all tips, by the way. When yeah. you're standing up there at, at the reg, you're at a fast food restaurant, yeah. okay? Yeah. They're going to hand you your food in a sack. They're yeah. probably getting your order done, and there have been three or four people involved in the process. Yeah. And why am I tipping? Mm-hmm. You're paid to be here. Yeah. And I'm, at one of the restaurants we went to in uh, in New Orleans, 
I was looking at the tab and I said, now, wait a minute. There was a, a line that said it was a two, it was like two and a half percent cost of living <laughs> surcharge. Yeah. And I like, no, I, I, I'm like, it's in the whole, in the big picture. It's really not that much money. It's just a little tiny bit of yeah. money, but I'm like, what? The point. Just be honest. Right. Okay. Just be yeah. honest. And point. I, and I kind of, I kind of get it. Okay. If you raise your prices, people are mm-hmm. going to scream. But yeah. if you if you call it something else and emotionally blackmail them into paying right. it, then well, it costs so much for these people. We have to charge a little bit more. Yeah, we're just and being honest fine. with you. No, you're not. Sure. No, you're not. But the thing is, you know what the real problem is, Mark, and I mean this. Uh, you and I, uh, your son Joe, worked his way up as a server to mm-hmm. management. Yeah. Uh, my daughter Hannah has spent uh, a couple of years doing the same. Of course, she actually has uh, has been a waitress for a long time. But one of the things. I'm not going to tell you the name of the Olive Garden restaurant that she works at, mm, okay. but people come in there, they sit down, and they will take up hours, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. on a table, and they'll have six or eight people yep. at this table, and will not tip two dollars. Yeah, and you're like, you just took up, you know, these people. Now, look, you do whatever you feel compelled, but I, it's there's got to be a minimum. Mm. But you know, the thing is, I believe, and I mean this, I believe servers should not be tip reliant. I believe they should be paid to do the job right? because some of them are good. Some of them aren't yeah. if you, it, but I don't feel like I should be obligated. I'm already paying more to be here. I'm paying more for you to cook the food and for you to clean right. factor it into the price. Yeah. If you want to factor a tip in fine, but I don't see why I should now be subjected to adding. It's your job to pay your employees. Not mine. Yeah. I'm here. I expect them to bring me the food. That is their job. Mm. And I don't, I'm Mark okay. at the end of the day, do people that listen to us come up and say, Hey, here's an extra 10. Thanks hmm. for the job today. Well, that would be nice, no. but no. Okay. No. Let, let me put on the, uh, on the, the restaurant owner's shoes for a minute here. You, you own a restaurant, you got a bunch yes. of people who are servers. Yep. What is the best way for them to be on the ball, to be sharp, to do the, do the job, right? It's to, it's to tie their level of competence and service to their pay. So if they hustle, they should get paid more. And the that's only th- with everybody, we, yeah. we apply that to every, every that's business. Tr- that's true. But the only, the only people who are going to know if they're worth being paid more are the people they're serving. And that's why not tipping is such a horrible thing. If somebody hustles, does a great job for you and doesn't, and, and actually earns some, you know, earns that extra buck or yeah. two, they right. should get it. I, but not everybody tips. That's the that, whole problem. Then that, yeah, and that's the problem. And you got that person that's out there Which, slugging away, trying to support her child on and, her own. Yeah, I and know, and that, waits on a table full of so-called religious people uh, after yeah. church and they've why, taken up the, which is why people hate working Sundays at, at restaurants. Yeah. Because absolutely this happens. The worst. So, yeah. But, and that's but, the thing, you know, it, people go out and act like I'm going to be the hero and pay for this hundred or $200 meal for all these people and then give you a $2 tip. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Or when you, when I know. I'm going to stop right now I because get, I know it just, really, yeah. but again, I, you know what I told her, I told Hannah, Hannah, you're, you're better if that you can't rely on generosity of strangers to pay the power bill if you wait on six tables this week that all have a huge tab all make you take up all your time so that Mm -hmm. they're consuming your time you can't even wait on your other people now you don't have enough money to pay your bills and it's not your fault you work just as hard the company 
The business, it's their job to pay you. It's not the business of me mm. as, as the customer. But yeah. again, that's a debate that can go on forever. Bottom and line is I don't see how you can get away with saying we're going to pay you $2 an hour plus tips. Mm. Sorry. And if, if you've ever wondered why some restaurants require a tip, they automatically add a tip to, uh, to groups of six or more. Yes, it's, that's it's, why. Be, it's because of Sundays after church. That's yep. why. LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac Show. You know, Mark, very quickly, we were talking a bit ago about tipping and things like mm-hmm. that. Which yeah. it's, a, it's a debate that can go on for hours. But you know one thing that I've wondered why it hasn't occurred, and it is beginning now, um, and that is like at a, a fast food restaurant having the totally automated system mm. uh, from, you know, because we've got the, the way things are cooked and made that it can all be computerized, you know, it can yeah. all be done robotically. Yeah, pretty much, that, yeah. And I bet you would actually, well, there'd be better quality control. You could have one person running the whole thing with both people not using cash. And, you know, even if you use cash, you can, you, you know, mm-hmm. you can use that. I mean, yeah. there are ways of making it employee free. And I know there are a number of restaurants that are currently doing that. And I think they're being successful, but I, I remember back in the day when we talked about, well, I wouldn't want to lose that personal touch, you know, with talking to another human being. Mm-hmm. I'm at the point now where I don't want, I'm choosing the automated route. I don't want to deal with a human being. I don't want them near my food. I don't yep. want them near me because you know, I don't know what they're going to do. This has been a, this has been a, basically a, the topic of jokes for comics for yeah. decades where you walk up to the, uh, to the, we talked about Burger King earlier. So I'll use right. that as an example. You walk up to the counter at Burger King, you order a burger, you get five cents change. And the kid behind the computer, the kid behind the register is confused. He doesn't know right. how to give you change, right? You give him, or you give him something and say, well, this will be easier. Just do it this way and give me a quarterback. Like, so right. that's, not, that's not what it is, man. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's been that way forever. And now you have, People who are one not qualified to count to ten unless they have their both of their hands available, oh, you know, buddy, and 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 uh, they can't count to twenty unless they're barefoot, and they they uh, and they have to operate a a register that has pictures of your food on it because <laughs> they, you know, they can't enter numbers, right? And yeah, and then ah, uh, and then you yeah. have when the order's wrong, they they. They can't grip. They kind of come to right. grips with the fact that you didn't get. I ordered. I didn't order onion rings. I ordered fries. I already. Yeah. You know, it's just it's like the whole world's come to and coming to an end, and they want fifteen dollars an hour. Right. You know. I mean, it's been this way for forever. And, right. And of course, we would rather have a robot take our order and serve our meals because <laughs> just be. I'm just going to say it, just so you don't have to deal with the stupid factor. That's what, that's just it. Please deliver us from the dumb. Please. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Kill this. Mark and Mac are back. The Mark and Mac Show. Weekday mornings on LifeRadio.fm.